This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Welcome back to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast. I'm your host, Ben Jacob. This week, not joined by a co-host, but two rather unique guests for this program. We have Brad Burnett, who is a district lead in southeastern Iowa. Good morning, Brad. Morning. And we have Don Garrels. And Don, I am actually not sure what your current title is, if you don't mind sharing with us. Hey, yeah, good morning. Uh, I'm leading marketing excellence for uh, the seeds business globally now, but I've spent a lot of time in the, the commercial business and the marketing side in the U.S. here the last few years. Very good. So this week we're continuing our series on the Purdue football schedule. And, you know, last week the Boilers actually managed to have um, what I'm going to say is an impressive win because they they trounced the Eli and I. Um, and this week we're up against Iowa. So both Brad and Don uh, are in the state of Iowa, I believe, at this point. So they're going to be on. We're going to share you know, we're going to we're going to give our predictions again. I think I didn't go through and tally it up, but I think the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast hosts are batting somewhere around 25 percent on success this year. So, you know, we'll see if we can just we can continue that just stellar trajectory. But um, to start with, we'll give a little bit of an update, as we always do, the crop condition and how harvest is progressing in the great state of Indiana. And I know we beat this horse a little bit hard. I don't I don't have a ton to share over what we've covered in the past. You know, bean bean yields, early bean yields were phenomenal. We're starting to get into a little bit more corn across the state and it it looks to be pretty stellar as well. There are some pockets where obviously the drought stuck around longer than what we would have liked and there there are going to be a few challenging spots, but overall I think we're setting on a pretty decent corn crop. Um, I made the comment probably two weeks ago, and I'm going to make it again. If you didn't plant Pioneer A-Series soybeans this year, um, you probably cost yourself money, at least in Indiana. So that's really the only crop update I'm going to I'm going to give at this point. It's pretty good everywhere. Uh, we don't have the drowned out spots, and there, you know, we had some challenges with wind, but overall, I think everybody's going to be pretty happy with the crop that they're setting on. Um, so with that, we'll pivot a little bit. And maybe we'll start with Brad. Uh, Brad, if you don't mind, could you give us a little bit of an introduction? Tell us where exactly you're located and kind of how you came to do what you're doing today. Sure, yeah. So uh, Brad Burnett here. I'm a district sales lead for the Pioneer brand in Southeast Iowa. I'm a almost 20-year employee of all the brands that we've had, Corteva and DuPont and, and DuPont Pioneer. So I've uh, been on the sales side and marketing side most of my career, family farm here outside of Iowa City. Uh, I've done the territory manager role. I've done some sales services roles. I've done a marketing role in, in Johnson. And the, for the past <clears throat> eight sales seasons, I've been here in Southeast Iowa, uh, managing a team of 10 employees, field agronomists and, and, and territory managers, as well as 52 uh, independent uh, pioneer seed agencies. Thank you, Brad. And Dawn, same same format for you kind of tell us how you got to where you're at today and where exactly that is yeah no i'm i'm sitting in the the johnston iowa area at the the pioneer headquarters there i've, I've been with the company for 10 years as of yesterday so i officially made it through that milestone i've um, done a, a variety of roles but really the the last five years i've spent in the, the marketing space specifically on soybeans here in the u.s 
um, spent, started out focused uh, really in the Eastern Corn Belt for a couple of years and was working on it across the U.S. Um, nationally after that. But uh, so I've spent a ton of time on the whole enlistee three trait adoption piece and then obviously the, the plenish piece, which I know has been important in Indiana. Yes, definitely, definitely important. And, um, you know, if you're in an area where you were fortunate enough a couple of years ago to be part of that, that plenish, that plenish market, I mean, that's a, that's a real differentiator, both for the, the farmer and for the company. So, Brad, maybe if we can dive in a little bit deeper to, to your experience in that area over, over 20 years, um, several several different iterations of the company what what's the the biggest change you've seen in agriculture over over the past 20 years you think uh you think about you know the area we service here in southeast iowa so it's it's like most areas it's variable we got some of the best ground in the in the world uh in our geography and then we have as you get further south along the missouri border it gets a little more challenging uh hard clay pan not as much topsoil just not not as productive so we we obviously uh vary but Thing I can see from the pioneer standpoint, when I started back in you know the mid 2000s, pioneer was right in the high of uh, some 33p67, p51s, uh, kind of owned the marketplace. Here, my geography, m11s, m42s on the bean side. It seemed like we we were definitely the market leader. Uh, went through some challenging times there through the 34a20s and some of the we call it the trade deficit years, where maybe we were trying to chase some of our competitors from a rootworm and just technology in general, but in my geography, we're on six years in a row of acre growth on both corn and beans. And it's really, you can really tell when Pioneer reinvested in uh, corn and soybean research in those late late 2000s, uh, where we added some more research stations, added breeders, we're really starting to reap the rewards of that extra effort, uh, especially in our geography. Our corn lineup is, is second to none. It's crazy to think that five years ago, if we were in a corn on corn or a uh, you know, a trait comparison. We were we were nervous to have our AMXTs or maybe our our CY uh, products out there. Now, I mean, Chrome is winning pretty much the majority of the plots, uh, both internally and externally. Just we're really in a much different space uh, from a corn standpoint. Yep, very good. That that investment in research is actually what brought me to the company. You know, years ago, I came I came in around 2010, and and that research center in northern Indiana that was part of that increase in 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 uh, research investment. And you know, the DP4114 Chrome um, was one of the one of the first projects there that that really really seemed to move the needle forward, and there was a lot of excitement. Um, very very early on in my career and i'm i'm very fortunate for that so with with that performance you mentioned brad i mean as you look as you look at this year um, obviously there are challenges in every year and in every geography but maybe for those of us in indiana who you know maybe don't get out as much maybe talk to us a little bit about the the year that you've had i know it sounds like you've got you've got quite a bit of um, inherent variability just with the the soils and the lay of the geography but but what's the growing season been like in southeastern iowa you know it's it's wild as i sit here today on let's say october 2nd if you'd asked me on august 2nd what i was expecting for yields i definitely would have said we'll be below below average uh, it's been extremely dry uh, we had a great spring we had a three-week window there starting about April 10th through the end of April where it was perfect conditions. Uh, many operations, including my own family's operations, uh, put the 
form planter in the ground and pulled pulled the beam planter on the ground having a delay in action. So it was a crazy 10 to 12 day run for most operations. Most operations got everything planted without any any rain or any any breaks in the action. Uh, then we got a rain around May 5th, uh, which was a was was a godsend for the early planted stuff. And for those that wasn't planted by May 5th, we didn't have any significant rainfall for 40 days uh, after May 5th. We didn't get any rain in uh, the rest of May and through the middle of June. So it was pretty crazy how dry it turned off. So everything planted before May 5th looked great. Uh, got rooted down, got the moisture to get it to get it going. Anything planted after May 5th really struggled. A lot of beans sat in dry dirt uh, that just really didn't come up even uh, until you know end of end of May, early June. So tale of two two worlds. But the, the benefit is most of our beans were planted prior to May 5th, so everything looked pretty good uh, from that standpoint. And then the rest of the year, it's just it's just it's just, it's just been dry. If you look at the 20-year average, we're about 11 uh, inches below average. So in Iowa, we tend to get anywhere from 20 to 25 inches of rain through the growing season on a, on a normal year. Uh, this year, we're sitting at anywhere from eight to 10, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty pretty incredibly low uh, in some areas. You know, with some areas in you know, that Cedar Rapids up through Waterloo, they're sitting at like six to seven inches total uh, for the growing season. So obviously great for root development uh, in that June timeframe, but challenging from uh, just the, the plant having the, the moisture that it needed to to do its do its thing, uh, but all things being said, like I said, I started out two months ago, I would have really said that we're going to have a challenging year. We got just a little bit of rain around State Fair on August 14th in Iowa, a few other scattered showers, and for those folks that caught those showers in August, they are having incredible yields. I mean, incredible to the point where probably some of the best yields that some folks have ever experienced, both corn and beans. So to sit here at 10 inches of rain. You know, anywhere from 10 to 15 below normal, and to have some of the best yields we've ever experienced, it's just it's just wild to think about uh, the genetics that we have today and and what it can do uh, with just in time rains. We never got extremely stressed, but I'm sure Don in Des Moines, I'm sure he didn't mow his grass much in you know July, August, or early at all. Yeah, well, I I like. Selfishly, I like to keep my yard just just this side of dead. I want it to have a little bit of green collar to it, but I don't I don't like to mow. So that's that's an ideal situation. If if you're catching them timely and you can keep the crop growing, you know, as an agronomist, that's that's great for me. So I don't I don't have to mow the corn. The corn can push on. So Don, I'm, I might be putting you on the spot a little bit with this question, but you know, in your role, you you touch basically the entire country. So what's what's your pulse on? on overall the the status of the crop across the country yeah i mean similar comments to brad it felt like at, at certain points in the year especially in the, the middle of the summer it was yeah this this doesn't look great out here and that was pretty widespread it felt like i mean anybody can look at at drought maps even the last couple of years right and there's it doesn't look great especially as you go west um but Certain spots did catch some some very timely rains just in time that have probably changed that outlook. It's not like that everywhere though. I mean, if you get get west enough, there's still some some pockets where things don't look great. Um, I think everybody can track, you know, the the yield prediction, um, you know, good to excellent rating on the crop every week, and you kind of see how it bounces around. So. Um, it'll be pretty variable. I think we say that every year, though. Um, but again, this is another one of those years. I feel like the last couple, 
where you've got some folks who are saying they literally have the best crop they've ever had, and you got other folks who uh, can't wait to to move on from this year. So, um, you know, the the drought piece, I, I think some of it you point to genetics though too, and there's some people who have thought, hey, this is going to be um, you know way below average and potentially one of my worst crops ever the last couple of years, and they they end up getting through harvest and feeling like, yeah, it wasn't great, but I'm, I'm pretty amazed at how well the genetics stood up. So again, kind of a point back to just how far we've come in the last 10 years, both corn and beans on, on what the crop can handle. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that assessment. I, I think the, the key word in there is variability and in the, in the rainfall events. I know as I watched, as I watched storms coming across the plains towards Indiana, they, they'd break up and fall apart. And, you know, I, my family still owns a little bit of ground in southern Indiana, and, it, and I say a little bit. It's three miles from three miles from point to point. The farthest the farthest apart the fields are. Um, and at one point this summer, we had three inches of rain on the north end of our farm and a quarter inch on the side out of one event. And it was it was like that everywhere. And as you get out and look at fields, you can see you can see there's pockets even maybe just a half mile away where that rain that we thought saved everything, you know, it came, it came a week later in some instances. So there, there is some variability out there. There has to be everywhere. I watch those storms do the same thing basically across the entire country. But I think that, um, you know, the sentiment, Brad, you talked about uh, about a month ago, I, I would go back or I guess the beginning of August That's more than a month ago. It's not September anymore, but I would go back. And as I've talked to to growers locally, you know, ask ask how they felt about the crop in June, um, because there are a lot of conversations in this area of the country about do I even bother side dressing this? It's so it's so burnt up. And, you know, if we're going to stop managing, my opinion is you don't you don't plan it to begin with, but just the just your comment, Don, about the genetics and, and the tolerance to this stress and where we stand today. Um, Ten years ago, that would not have been the case. I mean, I, if, we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, the genetics were not there to have this sort of crop out of that much stress. So, you know, it sounds like it's a very small world. Um, maybe the stress, maybe the challenges are unique mile to mile or state to state, but but we've all we've all had some sort of challenge this growing season. So, with that, um, maybe we'll go ahead and pivot to the sports talk, which I'm very poorly suited to handle. But you know, Purdue is Purdue is playing Iowa this year, and as a Colts fan, um, which is a painful place to be as well as a Purdue football fan these days. But but I know that the um, the, the second best export out of Iowa outside of corn was a man named Bob Sanders, who came to the Colts and just absolutely destroyed everything including his own, own body so his career was short-lived but man he was he was fun to, he was fun to watch and so Don I don't I don't know exactly when you went through Iowa but um but were you did you happen to be around in the Bob Sanders days I was just after him but I mean he was a big part of getting the program back on track because he was kind of part of that group right after Kirk Ferentz got to town that uh, you know I think they went one in ten that first year but then you had the, the Bob Sanders Dallas Clark guys come through that really turned things around and it's, it's been a pretty good run since then we've, we've had our ups and downs but uh, yeah no that Bob, I think if you ask most Hawkeyes to look back on, you know, some of their favorite players in the last couple of decades, I bet Bob Sanders is on the list for about everybody. 
yeah, I don't know how he couldn't be. He was, he was a lot of fun to watch. I don't know how I forgot about Dallas Clark, but I've got, I've got a bunch of kids. I, I forget a lot of things. So, you know, with that, um, as we've wrapped up all of these episodes, and, and Brad, I don't want to exclude you from our conversation conversation before the podcast. You, you mentioned that you didn't know how much value you'd add to the sports talk, and I can assure you that it's every bit as much as what I can. So I'm, I'm going to ask you for a score prediction as well. But we'll start with Don, since he seems like he's got the – the best pulse on this situation. Purdue and Iowa both coming off wins last week. Um, the game is at Iowa. So, Don, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I guess I'm filling the role of the sports guy since I'm the least agronomically uh, sound person on this podcast today. So, I'll, I got to find my spot. Um, look, Iowa is exactly who they were in the last couple of years. Their defense is great, their special teams is great, and their offense is not good. So um, hopefully they find a way at home uh, to just get the job done. But anybody who's thinking there's a lot of points, I think uh, that's foolish to, to bet on. So I'm thinking 16-13, Iowa pulls it out. I'm assuming they score on defense, not offense, um, and just find a way to win. 16-13 for the Hawkeyes from Dawn. Uh, Brad, Brad, what are your thoughts? Well, I was, you know, initially thinking 17-13, Don. It was similar. They let, give up a touchdown and a couple field goals. That's about Iowa's uh, MO. So the, the Vegas odds for this game is Purdue by three and a half, which is, which is crazy to think that Iowa's four and one uh, games at home. It's homecoming this week in Iowa City. So whether you, whether you want to admit it or not, that probably brings a little bit more uh, – energy uh to the game iowa is you know they're a lockdown defensive team it's just the challenge that iowa has is our offense is so poor that our defense spends a lot of time on the field and like anything they just get worn out and eventually that you know we have this bend don't break mentality but sometimes when the things get wore out they break uh so we were able to i was a team that somehow finds ways to win so i'm sure it's very frustrating to when you play us you think he got us beat, and then we return a punt for a touchdown like we had this Saturday to win the game, or we get a pick six at Iowa State to win the game. Uh, we always seem to find these random defensive or non non offensive scores that just gets us over the, over the line. So I was thinking, Don said seventeen thirteen. I'll say seventeen ten. I think Iowa scores two and a and a field goal, and they give up a touchdown and a field goal. And what how we get those two scores? It's it's anyone's guess. <laughs> Okay, well, since Carl couldn't join us, like I mentioned, he's he's the avid Boilermakers fan. He's he's coming in. He's a he's a bit of a traitor in this case, but he's coming in with the Hawkeyes, twenty one eighteen. So he's a little bit more optimistic on the offensive output than either one of you are. But um, you know, I I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall back on since I don't know what I'm doing. I can go ahead and say that the Boilermakers are gonna win, um, and I'm gonna say 17, 17, 14 for the Boilermakers. So you know, again, I wouldn't go out and adjust your adjust your FanDuel bets on on that. Maybe not on any of these, but it's all in good fun. Well, guys, I I, I appreciate both of you taking the time to sit down with us this morning. It's uh it's 
it's a fun conversation to have and you know it's it's a good way it's a good way to get to know more parts of the organization and and have a better understanding of what you know what this crop looks like um, across the country but before i let you go is there anything any closing comments you guys would like to make i'll go first i'll go first don i mean obviously the the pioneer brand i mean obviously we're founded in iowa in the mid-20s 1920 so it, it's a very strong brand for us in iowa we're very fortunate to have uh, the corporate uh, offices in Johnson supporting us here locally, but our product performance is, is seriously, it's, it's, it's stellar. And our sales reps and customers are very excited about the Pioneer momentum. We haven't talked a whole lot about A-Series, but holy smokes, the 3875s, the 28A65s, we got a whole new lineup of A-Series beans that uh, are beating existing varieties that we were really excited about. And now we're rolling into a whole new set uh, this coming year, I, I think the ceiling is 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 unlimited uh, for our bean our bean lineup in uh, with the Pioneer brand. Yeah. yeah, and thanks for having us, Ben. This has been fun. Uh, look, I've been at the company for ten years, not as long as Brad, but I I haven't seen this type of enthusiasm for the product performance like I've seen the last couple of years. Um, it's kind of building towards this, and you start looking at at the pipeline, just in terms of genetics, especially, but some traits coming too. And I, I you can see why there's a lot of folks, um, you know, jumping on the bandwagon with Pioneer. It's, it'll be fun. We've got uh, a hundred year anniversary coming up in a couple of years here. Um, so it's kind of like everything's coming together here at that anniversary time and looking really good for the, the next hundred after that. But thanks for having us today. Yeah, well, thanks again, Brad and Don, for coming on, and and thanks for the plug at the end about about our performance. You know, the I mentioned it earlier on, the bean performance has been just outstanding. Um, and if you'd have told a lot of the guys in Southern Indiana, you, know, you mentioned twenty eight A sixty fives, Brad. We've got ninety bushel field averages across the the scale cut in mid September. I mean, if you'd have told anybody ten years ago they'd be cutting ninety bushel beans in September, or really at any time in the year, it they they probably would have institutionalized you. So yields are are just outstanding, and to hear that 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 performance is spread across the country just speaks to the stability of those products as well. So, well, thanks again for joining us. Thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. Um, if you wanted to reach out, you have ideas for topics or have questions that you want to ask. As always, you can find me in the Twitter sphere or on X now, I guess at the Ben Jacob or on Facebook at Ben Jacob Agronomy. Thanks again and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.